Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, the Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have my co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Yay! Hey! Hi, Marjorie! <laughs> hey, Natalie, what's going on? We are back, and we are back to talk about something that I believe our listeners will be really interested in hearing about, not only from the angle of our executive directors who uh, will be taking probably lots of notes, Mm -hmm, but also our nonprofit staff who are thinking along their career path and what they want to do and how that's going to impact them, notes for their future success, and also maybe giving those executive directors uh, a little bit of leeway as they come on to an organization, kind of understanding the stress, the roles, responsibility uh, might give some insight to our board as well, don't you think? Absolutely. So what we're going to be talking about is those first 100 days of an executive director's job, which can be totally crucial. Very. Um, some missteps that you make that the executive or the board or the staff can make in those first 100 days can reverberate through the organization and actually take years to correct. Um, so today we're going to look at some helpful tips to help EDs, board, staff navigate those first 100 days. And I think it's great because we've all been there as executive directors who are listening uh, we've all had those first few days that we've tried to figure out what we're what we're going to be doing next. Yes. Uh, we've seen organization make some missteps, and oh, we've yeah. tried to learn from those mistakes. So for board members especially, I think this could be crucial because you have the responsibility of governance and recruiting the next ED. And sometimes well, we're lucky that gem lies within, and I know mm-hmm. that uh, you've experienced that. I've had the opportunity to be actually brought up in an organization. So my first 100 days were a first 100 days in a new job and instead of a first 100 days in a new organization, which was, I feel really lucky to it, have but that it, But it still comes with its own complications. Oh, absolutely. So many other complications. And then I've had the experience on the other side where the board went external to look for that mm-hmm. search, and I came in as not only the new executive director, but also learning a new staff, a new board, a new volunteer base, a new donor base, and everything is like a shiny yeah. new penny. And for me, I like to try to eat the elephant one by a time. That being said, I found several times over those first hundred days where I couldn't chew. I had yeah. too much. Sometimes enough. you get force fed the elephant. Yes. Yes. It's just like more elephant. <laughs> exactly. So for the board of directors, I think that the first 100 days of an executive director's term actually starts way, way, way before that. Um, Succession planning before the previous executive director leaves? Yes. What a fantastic if, idea. If you have that ability to do so, excellent. Sometimes there is an emergent or urgent situation. But mm-hmm. by all means, even if you think as a board member you're sitting back with your feet propped up on your desk and your hands behind your head thinking this isn't a problem because we're solid there, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You just don't no know idea. what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, health changes. Mm-hmm. that take place, uh, people who have health changes within their family and they're required or needed to move to take care of loved ones, uh, changes in uh, significant others' role mm-hmm. or responsibility within their organization. I just had someone who said they're moving to Alaska because they have their significant other that they are with is moving to Alaska for their job and they're going with them. That makes it hard to ma- do ma- their job here. Right. <laughs> and when you're not planning on things like that, you just don't know. So unless you have a magic eight ball that's better than mine, session planning is really key. It really is. And 
and it's not just, you know, who in the organization can take over that place, but what all are the, all the things that that person in that seat right now needs to do. I just thought today, oh my gosh, if I ever leave my organization, we have to make sure we change the registered, registered agent. Weird things like that. Yes. The little things you don't know. And then your new ED comes in and they start to panic because these little weird things all start coming up at once. And then they start second guessing their abilities. That's the one thing you don't want them to do when they're coming in. So also then kind of just figuring out an orientation plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more than just, uh, hey, congratulations, here you are. Good luck with that. And then running like crazy as board members. Thank goodness that's done. Checkbox, right? (laughs) Oh, they're so tired. They're exhausted. It's it's a lot of work to bring in a new executive director. Well, not only that, but you're basically, the board is is absolutely running the organization for a month, two months, three months. If they're doing it right, absolutely. right, you probably just don't want to just say, good luck, guys. So, so yeah. it's uh, creating a full orientation plan. That's something you can do now with your executive director in place and saying, if something would happen, and I've heard board members, we've, I've talked about this before, uh, one-on-one, and they've said, I don't want to offend my, my executive director. I don't want mm-hmm. them to feel uneasy, like their job's in jeopardy. And I can see that angst of having that conversation, but really it's the executive director's responsibility to be doing this already. So this should come as a very natural conversation mm-hmm. and saying, so tomorrow, if you hit the lottery, because that scratch off really paid off, <laughs> how are we going to make sure the organization that you know and love as executive director is in good hands and help us plan that? And what does that look like? And what are some things that you need to make sure that would be on that orientation plan? Because the board only knows what they know. Exactly. And I think putting something together in writing and just having that put away, tucked away for a future rainy day can be available. And then when it starts to rain, there's no panic. And I think that that also resonates with the staff because when the board panics, the staff panics. Mm-hmm. And when staff panics, there's typically an exit strategy that the staff takes. And now you've got <laughs> massive turnover and who suffers is the client. And that's mm-hmm. not fair to them. And that's not good. No. The one thing that the other big good thing the board can do is is have a three to five year plan for the organization. Some of us call that a strategic plan. <laughs> who would have thought and, a strategic plan for a nonprofit? Yeah. And uh we can uh, you can actually pull out what skills is that executive director, that new one going to need in the next three to five years to make the organization successful. So it's not just putting a laundry list of must be detailed oriented and this and this and this and this and having some generic things, but knowing that in the next three to five years, you're going to want to take on an expansion. Well, that, that gives you an idea to actually look for somebody who's done expansion before or, mm-hmm. you know, this, that or the other. I think it's good when you do a SWOT analysis, people think mm-hmm. of SWOT analysis specifically for for-profit organizations or large organizations, but it's really a great way to get your, not just your board involved, but your volunteers, your frontline volunteers, your frontline staff, getting them thinking about how strategically we have great strengths and feeling good about that. Mm -hmm. But then where are those opportunities for improvement? Where should we be looking at the next steps? Uh, you know, perhaps technology is, is I think an area where I see a lot of small nonprofits that suffer mm-hmm. because uh, we don't have an IT department, a magical place. <laughs> uh, sometimes the executive director is the IT department. Mm-hmm. So, or the youngest person on staff is the IT department. Yes. Just by, because, Who, because apparently that young person knows a lot about <laughs> yeah. technology based on stereotype. So, you know, who is that go-to person Mm -hmm. for those information? How do you key all that together? And then based on that, where are your biggest strengths and opportunities and what should you be concerned about as you move forward as an organization? Absolutely. So what happens, Marjorie? We've got that great executive director hired. Uh, We don't want our board members now saying, thanks, got to go and running for the hills. Yeah. There's so much more. So much more that the board can do to really make this transition easy. Um, I think one of the best things is for the board or the board chair or, you know, somebody in the board role to introduce the new ED to the staff and to the community. And sometimes it's not always easy to do that right in person, but, you know, an email to the staff saying, hey, you know, 
Jen Smith is now going to be the executive director of the agency. She comes with this experience. This is why the board loves her. We know you're going to love her too. Um, and ha- doing the same to donors, things like that, to, to really start to let the community know that this is somebody that we really embrace. Yes, I, I think often board members feel like there needs to be a formality associated with this mm-hmm. step. And really, it's just a matter of communicating. Mm-hmm. And it can be as formal or in- informal, depending on the audience that you're looking for. But sometimes just a press release, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. board member, the board chair is pleased to announce, the board of directors is pleased to announce, uh, and having something go out kind of massive wide, mm-hmm. uh, like you'd mentioned, you know, just that email or that gathering at a staff meeting and letting people know, giving them reassurance, letting them talk and speak it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by all means, there's some formality that can come to that. Maybe you want a donor reception so that your key yeah. donors can do a meet and greet. Uh, you can time this if you've got already an event or an exchange already coming. It doesn't have to be an additional piece because you and I both know how much our audience knows our feelings about events yeah. uh, that they are the, the time suckers <laughs> of all right uh so if you already have something coming up feel free to to wind that in and tie it in and and make that part of it um i know that i've seen that be very successful and you can also get a lot of play out of that uh, for your audiences absolutely i think the other thing that the board can, can do and especially the board chair is is really consciously find time to spend with the ed over the first couple yes, thank of you. months that's so important because they need to know what your expectations are. And, yes. you know, because we really want to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do. And, and in our mind, we might be thinking we we're doing a great job and our staff might be really responsive, but we realize our board of directors really had the expectation that we were going to be doing X and Q mm-hmm. and we were only doing X, Y, Z. No one even talked about Q. Yeah. <laughs> Before. You think. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that can be the curveball. So yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, there's so many different roles and boundaries too, uh, mm-hmm. and how to communicate with your board. Yeah. Um, I always find, uh, that I need to ask my board, how do you want to be communicated with? What's the process look like? And then I kind of put it in writing. So mm-hmm. that way we're all on the same page. For oh, example, something as simple as, uh, working with a board committee. Let's say you've got a finance, a finance committee on your board. Mm-hmm. So who's responsible for sending the financials to your executive committee? Who's responsible of uh, making sure those get approved? Who will present those at the board of directors mm. meeting? Who sends them out to all of our board of directors? And just reiterating the process, because you don't want to step on people's toes. No. And we've talked about how <laughs> that can be such a you know, detriment about that relationship with the board uh, and one of our other previous shows mm-hmm. and opening that communication lineup. So I think it's always really helpful just to say, so I'm new. Tell me how this typically works. Do you like the way it works? Yeah. That's another good question. Uh, do you like doing the agenda or mm-hmm. do you prefer that to be done in-house and having you take a look at it and add a couple pieces? So having that relationship so that you know really what the expectations are and it's not the day before the board meeting. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize <laughs> uh, you were supposed to bring copies of everything in triplicate because these are all, this is, this is how things done, right? Yeah. And that's, that's never good to have those surprises. Uh-huh. The other thing is maybe setting a leadership agenda for the next couple of months. Um, what the, what those priorities are going to be for the organization, setting it out, excuse me, month by month so that the board, the ED and the staff all know what their roles are. Um, there's a really great article in, uh, from the Bridge Fan. Bridgespan group that talks about the the board's role in onboarding. And I think this idea came with that. And they've got a really great little chart, which is fantastic. I love charts. Mm. <laughs> so I'm a very um, visual person. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, so a lot of times our executive directors are visual because we have to be. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we have to be good listeners, but we have to be able to see things constantly and how things are moving. And I think charts are a great way to be able to say, has this been done? What's next? What still has to be accomplished? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a thermometer. It's kind of why yeah. I think I, I like them. <laughs> 
So yeah, we'll get that resource available to our, to our listeners for certain. So then what about if we survive the first 100 days as board yeah. members, right? Board <laughs> members, we've got them, we've got them there 100 days, things going, going work. And do we then run away? No, don't run away. <laughs> but wait, there's more. In that first year, there's so much that the board can keep doing to continue that success. I mean, you know, after the first 100 days, your ED is probably often doing their thing. But it's really good to do those regular check-ins and evaluations, like an annual evaluation. Oh, my gosh, it's fantastic. <laughs> we love feedback. We like to know what you like. We like to know where you want us to improve. We're yeah. people, too, right? We There's exactly. not a lot of people at the end of the day who come up to an ED and pat them on the back and say, good job, buddy. Why don't you, you know, go home 15 minutes early today? Yeah. That, wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. I do that uh, to hey, myself sometimes. Hey, Marjorie, great great job. You should go home 15 okay, minutes early. Not, but after the show. Oh, after the show. <laughs> come back. Come back. Close the door. Uh, but, you know, the board does that mm-hmm. and boards do that through evaluations. And that feedback is extremely helpful, not just to our own personal ego of knowing that we're doing a good job, but the reason we're executive directors and nonprofit leadership is because we're passionate about the mission that we've selected to represent. Absolutely. And we want to hear that feedback to know that we are meeting expectations of people who are also just as passionate about it and they're volunteering their time and that's how mm-hmm. they're proving that. Absolutely. And I think it's really important for the board um, and especially the board chair to not wait until the, the problem is a big problem with a capital B to address it because don't, don't be an ostrich. Yeah. Don't be an ostrich. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't look the other way. Don't just keep getting steamed about something. Have those crucial conversations as they're coming up so that you don't get to that year end evaluation or the point where the board's ready to fire the executive director to discuss that, that thing that's happening. Cause there's always a thing that's happening. There's always something. Yeah. You're right. So because not, this isn't a utopia. Nothing mm-hmm. is perfect. And so it's really great. It goes back to those lines of communication. So if you're listening with us and you are serving on a board or in a board chair capacity or a board leadership role, mm-hmm. and you haven't reached out and talked to your executive director in a while with the exception of, is everything good for the board meeting? <laughs> and is everything good for the event? And how are we doing on finances? You know, some of those rapid fires. Yeah. <laughs> you went the last time that you said, hey, let's, let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's grab a bite to eat because I will tell you, EDs, we don't eat much because we're running place to place to place. So yeah. we value the chance to, to, oh, yeah. to grab something. And, and it's just, so nice when the board actually reaches out to you to set yes, those things. To have a conversation and just say, hey, don't, you don't have to come with charts or graphs or, or information. I just want to talk about how things are going and let's just touch mm-hmm. base because what you'll find a lot of times is when you are able to build that relationship of trust, mm-hmm. that, that executive director will reach back out to you as a board member and saying, you know, I'm really struggling with this particular problem and I need some advice on how to lead it through. And they really, that's what board members are there for, to help Absolutely. us lead it and take it to the next level when we don't have all the answers or we just need, you know, affirmation that we're doing the right thing. Absolutely. So board, I think we've got the board pretty, pretty well set. I think all of our board members out there might know what to do now. Good. Now, what if you're the ED and you're walking into your new nonprofit, it's bright and it's shiny. And what do you got to do in those first 100 days? You get in the chair and you spin in circles. Oh, you have a spinning chair? Yes. Wow. (laughs) But it's only because I just keep going round and round and round. (laughs) That's what happens. Uh, no, I think, you know, it's really key and crucial to make sure that you are highly aware of the relationships associated with the organization. Uh, so we'd mentioned kind of a two-fold way of getting into the organization, either as an internal candidate moving up or an external who's coming in. Either which mm-hmm. way, though, your relationships have now changed. Absolutely. Talk to, about, talk to us about that, Marjorie. So when you were promoted from within, how was that relationship with your staff? It was, for me, it was really, really strange because I had been up here. 
four mm-hmm. years. And right. You were fact, the one we all went out to lunch with or we yeah, hung out with, right? We, yeah. Well, and we really was doing much of that because I was not only a peer of everybody, but I was everybody's youngest peer. So Ooh. I was the... You were the tech department. I was the tech department. <laughs> exactly. Which is interesting at a radio station. But... Um, <laughs> The, uh, you know, so that was, that was a major change because not only now am I uh, managing my peers, but I'm managing people that are for the most part 20, 30 years older than me. So Mm -hmm. that, that was a real challenge for me trying to make that, that thing. So the big thing that I found that I could do best was ask questions and listen, Mm -hmm. um, to the, to the staff and really show them that I respected them so that I could gain their respect. They already respected me. They already knew that I did good work. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what I was going to be like as a boss. They'd seen me manage volunteers. Very different animal. Well, (laughs) of course, absolutely. Well, and I've been in the situation where I've been promoted from within as well. And what I found is different types of feelings. So some people who had a bit of jealousy because they wanted to be picked for that role, regardless of their qualifications or how, if they would have been a good fit, uh, in our minds, we can always justify it, right? Yeah. So, uh, we had a little bit of that. I also had people who, really loved hanging out like, Hey, we're going to sit out at the lunch table every day and it's going to be great. And the next thing you know, I'm going to lunch and no one's sitting with me. Mm. And it's that lonely at the top concept because how can you sit there and complain about your boss when your boss is now you (laughs) and how can you vent without someone? Because what I would want to do is when we'd all sit together, they would vent about a department or a volunteer or a program problem. Mm -hmm. And you know what I would try to do? You fix it. I try to fix it. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what they wanted me to do? Just listen. Just eat my lunch and listen and be a peer. And so when I realized that, I realized my listening skill was very different as an executive director now mm-hmm. serving them and their role uh, as opposed to when we were buddies and we wouldn't. Mm-hmm grab lunch together and talk about how difficult it is to use that computer database problem. Oh, exactly. Uh, because really we didn't want anyone to fix it. We just wanted to kind of vent a little bit and healthy therapeutic and then come back and you know attack the problem. Absolutely. Uh, so when I learned my role there, it really helped to realize I needed to be listening in that role and asking, is there anything you need me to do? Is there asking, mm-hmm. is there something you'd like me to do? Don't assume they don't want you to do anything, but yeah. the it other was very different. Big challenge in that role is, you know, switching roles like that is, um, remember that you have a new job, even mm. though it's not a new place. Um, I yeah. have caught myself almost every time I've been promoted from within continuing to do the job that I used to do. Oh, yeah. While also trying to do the job that I was hired to do. Yes. And um, that's frustrating not only for, for you, mm-hmm. um, but also for the other person who was hired to do your job. Well, and there could be a gap, and we respect mm-hmm. that, where sure. you uh, are filling you know, two roles. you got a foot in both canoe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, that but, happens. But once you've got someone rowing that other canoe, then you you, you need to kind of let it go, mm-hmm. right? And Oh, yeah. Uh, that may be difficult uh, to let go. I've been there where we've I've grown a program and you know, we think of those programs as our babies, you our know, babies. or those events as our babies. <laughs> and you're not doing it the way I've always wanted you to do it and realizing there's something bigger and better coming. And that's why you were promoted. And that's why this person was brought in. So it doesn't mean letting go and, and watching it tank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm suggesting at all. I don't want anyone to go, well, Nellie's had to let go. Uh, Marjorie said that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but really just really, really is realizing what your role is with that and, and helping and bringing people along that you know you can trust and support. Uh, mm-hmm. support you with this. I think it's good to have a good support structure as well. People Absolutely. still want to be able to have that relationship with you. Yeah. Now, even though you're a known entity, I think in that situation, in the, in a situation where you're coming in new, you're not. Mm-hmm. I think with both, one of the things to do is to ask your staff and your board for a list of people you should talk to. Absolutely. So. Because you don't know what you don't know and you don't mm-hmm. know who you don't know. Exactly. 
And that is huge. And I think it's uh, great for an internal candidate to do that as well. Mm -hmm. But I've seen so many external candidates who will rely on who they used to know Mm -hmm. and try to then bring them over to the new organization just to keep those patterns going because we already know those people. So that's easy. And, and it's uh, about relationships. It's about relationships, right? <laughs> so that does two things. One, it, it can be awkward for your people you're trying to bring over. Mm-hmm. So you may be before you were fundraising, for example, or being uh, in a nonprofit leadership of something that was with the arts and culture. Mm-hmm. And now you're with puppies and kitties. Yeah. And although some people do like both, uh, or maybe they like pictures of our, of, of puppies and kitties or. Dramatic reductions with puppies and kitties. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, uh, you will not have that, can, you know, that, that crossover. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you had, went from do- puppies and kitties to puppies and kitties, mm-hmm. people are loyal. And so that they can feel alienated mm-hmm. by what you've done to them. Uh, yeah. maybe a little bit disgruntled, like, Hey, I'm over here. Why are you trying to do this to me? It's so icky. Yeah. It does kind of feel icky and for actually, them. Actually, as a fundraiser, kind of unethical. Kind of unethical. You should know that, right? <laughs> uh, and if you don't, if you're not feeling that uncomfortableness while you're listening to this, then, then go back and read your AFP ethics. Uh, and so the, the other, the other hand, all those great supporters that the mm-hmm. organization has built is now going, Hey, excuse me. Hi, I'm your loyal supporter and you're not reaching out to me and you're not talking to me. And mm-hmm. now they feel alienated. So yeah. you've really done a disservice to the organization and to your own credibility. Exactly. So go talk to those people, make that time, spend that time and ask those people who else you should be talking to too, because that, that helps you keep going in that circle, which yeah. is really good. One of the other things that's really good meals with those direct reports again Dude, not if you haven't figured yeah. this out by listening to our show over all of this time we are motivated by food mm-hmm. food and, and beverage yeah mostly wine mostly mostly wine and we have to mention that at every show yeah uh, but truly staff are motivated by food it's amazing how that can be just a little thing but it, it really brings people together. It's yes. no different than a holiday celebration with your family. What do you do when you have a birthday? You have food. Food. What I do you have when you have Christmas? You have food. Food. So what happens if there's a funeral? Food. Food. <laughs> so we celebrate the lives of people and the, the things that are happening in our lives with food. And so mm-hmm. there's no difference with the people that you're working with. Exactly. You want to celebrate that relationship that you're building with food. And so it's something little, but uh, making sure that you are able to bring that element in, I think can be really a, a nice, uh, soft, easy way it's, to get in. It gives you a chance to get to know your new direct reports as humans mm-hmm. and not just um, work product makers. Yes. Yes. Which is good. They apparently don't like to be called work product makers. They don't. Mm, that's right here. Oh, well, you know, it's been a while since I've been one. You should be listening to them. That's part of rule (laughs) number one. We'll rewind it later. You can listen. I think it's also really important for you as an executive director to know what the development cycle is and where those funds are coming from and also asking your fund development director, or that may be you as well, depending on your role, uh, what your role is and how can I help? Mm -hmm. I promise you, if you have a fund development director in your nonprofit, if you walk into their office on Monday and you say, you know, I haven't asked you this in a while, but how can I help? (laughs) They, They will be so happy. They'll be happier than even if you gave them food. Because, and if you really mean it, especially mm-hmm. because a lot of times the little things make a big difference. Oh, absolutely. They're trying to get a hold of someone. They're trying to figure out a resource for this. They, they're looking at the fund development plan and they're not even sure how if we uh, made $200,000 last year that, and the board wants us to make $400,000 next year, how that's even feasible. And, Where does this magic money come from? <laughs> right. Because they don't have magic wands, mm-hmm. although they should. We should. They should. They should have that for you all know, fund development directors. They sell like Harry Potter magic wands at the Universal store. Yes. In the Orlando airport. 
So there you go. So all of our listeners in Orlando, you, you got the hookup. If you are not in Orlando, my sincerest apologies because now you know where you'll have to go to for vacation. Maybe there's other places. There could be. <laughs> Absolutely. So find out where you are needed the most and then and help out and make sure that you're on the same page as that development director as to what those goals, objectives are and what your role is within that. Sometimes it's best to step in. It's also to know when it's time to step out because you can get really sucked into that whirlwind of of fundraising and the little details Mm -hmm. that you don't need to be involved in. No, you don't care what the font size is on the invitation to the gala. Thank you, please. Yes. That is for the committee to work on and fight over and spend time on sleep, lose sleep on. That's theirs. Yes. So I, my rule of thumb as an executive is that I take how much I make per hour Mm-hmm. And I divide that by minute. Mm. And when someone asks me to work on a project such as, hey, could you be able to proofread this for me and tell me if you like this font size for this? Mm-hmm. I calculate how many minutes. So that was going to take maybe 10, 15 minutes of my time. Mm-hmm. Do the quick math. Ask myself, if I had to tell a donor that's how I spent their money today, would they be okay with that? Ooh, and if my answer is yes, then I will take it. If mm-hmm. my answer is no, I'm going to say so let's talk about other ways we can utilize that resource. What Absolutely. other, how else can we get that information for you? Yeah. Uh, and it's not that you don't want to help, but really it's about using your donors funds wisely because mm-hmm. we all rely on those funds as nonprofits. Absolutely. The other thing that you need to do, I would say as soon as possible is figure out what your program is. You know, I mean, obviously we all have a sense of what our program is. Hope, hopefully you did not take the job for the organization that you don't know what they do, but, um, <laughs> you want to make sure that you're, you're kind of testing from the inside out. You know, maybe you have your, you know, nephew or your mother or your somebody caught you know, call in and try to, you know, get services from your organization. What does that look like? Start to learn that. You don't have to be sneaky about it, but you do need to know what happens when a client comes to the door. You need to know what happens when a client's been in your organization for three months. And, you mm-hmm. know, what does that look like? And um, what I hear from the executive directors is, I have to do that in the first hundred days, but I have to do everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I get it. We're yeah. busy. <laughs> and that's kind of why we're serving in an executive capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I really firmly believe that if you don't understand your programs, how are you going to fundraise for it? Absolutely. How are you going to make your presentation to your funders? It really all comes back to funders. But, um, you know, and how are you no, going but no to money, no mission. Exactly. No, no money, money, no mission. Yeah. That is truly, the, that should be the motto of every nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So if you're not helping with getting the money in, then you can't have the mission. So you mm-hmm. need to understand the mission. So that so you, you can, can get the money, get the money. Right. So, and you can't understand your staff very well either if you don't know what, what they're doing with their time. Nor can you earn their respect. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big Absolutely. key in nonprofit yeah. management. Also, another big key is getting a handle on the finances. Oh, the finances. So, uh, it's a matter of being able to understand what they all look like, what's happening, what's not happening, looking at trends. And you may say, Natalie, that's great, but finance, not my strong suit. I did not go to school to be able to be in the world of finance. There are resources out there that are available for you. And some of those, you know, you could get audit. If you need to get auditor, get an auditor mm-hmm. in. Uh, look and ask when's the last time our finances have been audited. Uh, and look at those audited statements. Ask your board. They'll tell you where their concerns mm-hmm. are really fast. I could, yeah. they didn't already in the, uh, in the interview. <laughs> Uh, and ask your staff, what do they know about finances? Mm-hmm. I think it's really valuable to tell your staff what's happening in, in your organization. Some mm-hmm. of them want the ostrich theory that please don't yeah. tell me because I don't yeah. want to panic. <laughs> but there is, should be some sort of level of transparency, no yeah. matter uh, what level you're comfortable with. Perhaps some of your uh, 
your leaders, your managers know more than others, but they need to understand, are we breaking even this year? Are we being able to invest anything back into the organization this year? Do we have concerns there's going to be a shortfall? Mm -hmm. Those are things they should know because that really helps them hold accountability with regards to their spending. Absolutely. Uh, Because when it's not your money, we tend to sometimes forget that, you know, it's not just this endless pot of money that comes from a rainbow. Although Mm -hmm. if you find that rainbow, please find me on LinkedIn and let me know where it's at. That would be fantastic. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And also, uh, Spending, spending money, uh, to be able to understand, uh, what other people do with that money. Absolutely. So how it's spent, what they're doing with it, uh, understanding mm-hmm. expenses. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you don't know, if you're not a money person, and right. a lot of us aren't, um, I think it's really important that you take the time you spend the money to, to learn how to be a, a numbers person. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's taking that, you know, community college class on the basics of a profit mm-hmm. and loss statement or, you know, going on Lynda.com and doing some stuff. Sure. Going to some trainings and getting some one-on-one expertise. A lot of your Mm -hmm. times your boards will have someone who is in the financial industry Mm -hmm. and they're happy to walk you through and help you understand it. If you tell them upfront transparency, this is not my strong suit, but I'm, I'm more than willing to learn, Mm -hmm. help me grow, help me develop. They want you to be a strong executive. That's why they've invested in you. So ask for that help. Exactly. So I think the other, like the last big thing that an executive director has to do is wait before they make decisions. You mean they shouldn't just come in and start making a lot of decisions quickly? No, I mean, except for obviously, like, if you've got really bad coffee, make make that change now. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a key to any good executive is good, strong coffee. So, but, you know, take notes, figure out what your vision and your pitch for the organization is going to be, get to know people, come up yep. with your calendar, and then make those strategic decisions. I made a commitment to my team uh, when I joined the organization I'm recently with that I will not make any major decision changes in the first 90 days mm-hmm. unless it, the organization's at risk of some sort of liability. That makes so much sense. Because I said, obviously, we can't allow ourselves to be at risk with uh, not only our national organization, but also any sort of legal liability. I told them I don't look good in orange. Now, the no. truth is, you and I both know, you, I look, you, I look, just, I could pull it off. I think you'd probably good in that orange. I, but, I probably yeah. would, but the jumpsuit <laughs> thing, not so much. No. So, and I, unless you're going to bring me alcohol in, in prison, it's not going to be good for me. So I want to make sure that we're on the up and up, right? So I want to make sure that we've got everything that we need to be able to represent our organization appropriately. So if you have to make decisions that are big, make sure that they know why those decisions have to be made. Hey, we have to change what says on the website because actually that's illegal. We can't say that. We have to be able to say it like this. And uh, that way they know the reason you're making that big change. Exactly. That's really, really important. I had an executive director once I knew that who first day she was in the office, her admin came came to her and said, I'm going to leave unless you give me a, you know, a 75% raise. What do you do in that situation? It's mm. the only other staff person, but she said, I can't, you right. know, I, I don't even know what's going on yet. Right. So, you know, so it's good for staff people to yeah. realize as well. So don't, yeah. don't hold, you know, your hostage, your ED hostage. Yeah. Make sure that they have the tools to be able to make, make decisions and, and let them know that a decision is going to be, to be made on this within a certain time frame. And I want you to have some background so you can start figuring that out. And you don't want to definitely blindside them at the end of 90 days and say, here it is. But (laughs) I think that's good information to share with them for certain. Absolutely. So I think that's kind of all the ideas we have floating around in our head. Natalie, what's the one thing that you're doing in your first 100 days that's making the difference or that you think is going to make the difference? Yeah, it it goes back to asking for those contacts. So Mm -hmm. I asked each of our staff members to give me a list of uh, 10 to 15 names Mm -hmm. uh, and, and contact information 
important in their eyes. It didn't make a difference. I didn't want them consulting with each other of who would be good for the organization for me to reach out to. I didn't mm-hmm. ask them how or anything, just, just in general. Mm-hmm. So once we did that, we brought them together as a staff and we started talking about some of those different names. And then I shared those with everybody. I said, now I want you to go and look what everybody's names put down and tell me, do you know more information about that person than that that's already listed. Oh, I love that. So maybe one person was thinking, oh, we need to talk to Marjorie because Marjorie's a donor. Mm-hmm. And then someone else came in and said, oh, and she also is the volunteer that helps us every year at our bake sale. And we mm-hmm. need to make sure that she's the bake sale guru. So now I really have more detail nice. when I go to reach out. And you've updated your database with all that information. We've updated the database. <laughs> we also prioritized uh, the individual list as to who, if they were making the decision that they think I should contact first. So now I've got the priorities. Okay. And then how? Is it by a letter? Is it by a phone call? Is it a letter with someone else's co-signature? Is it a face-to-face? Do you need to be there for the face-to-face? And I controlled it with drop-downs, which really helped us to be able to say, these are the options. If there's something more, you need to let me know. So you really got to play some with Excel and some I, fun stuff. I, yes, we rolled out an Excel spreadsheet. It, <laughs> the, using the drop-downs really helped because there was this standardiz- standardization that happened with responses. So uh, it really helped me see quickly who our top uh, 20 to 40 people were that my staff thought were important. Mm-hmm. And then once I get through that, because that's really uh, program significant, mm-hmm. I'll be rolling that same concept out with my board of directors to do Fantastic. community significance. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, good luck in your first 100 days. Thank you so much. You're, you've got to be halfway through it now. I, think. I, I feel <laughs> like every day it's a little closer, right? Yeah, getting getting there, getting there, and then you'll be a pro. <laughs> I met someone the other day who had the best phrase ever. I said, how you doing today? And they said, I'm having my best day since yesterday. That's and perfect. I love that response. And that is the executive director's motto, right? Right. Every exactly. day is going to be better than yesterday. <laughs> well, thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. And Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Go to iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or whatever kind of app that you like and subscribe to us. And then also leave us some some feedback there. We love that. We've got some um, great feedback recently from yeah, our Facebook page. We haven't, and I love it. Yes, yeah, so we'll be <laughs> setting up some great topics for you coming up soon, thanks to your feedback. So keep listening and keep sending us ideas.